Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We are so glad you're with us. We're a Bible-based church from Ontario, Canada, and together we're on a mission to reach people far from Christ and see them become devoted followers of Him. In today's episode, we've got Carlo Raponi tackling a pretty difficult question. He'll talk about the importance of faith as well as the importance of science. Often we uh, disregard one or the other. So we're going to hand it over to Carlo as he tackles this very important question in part four of our Doubting God series, God and Science. Hey guys, faith versus science. Not really a problem. Hmm, that was easy. You guys want more. You always want more. All right, let's do this. Hey there, guys. Uh, My name's Carl Raponi, and I'm here to talk to you about science and faith. So we often hear of the science versus faith debate. And since we're in a series called Doubting God, this becomes an appropriate topic to tackle because there are people out there who doubt God or think that they need to give up on God in the face of scientific discovery. And that's a shame, because it simply isn't necessary. To begin with, there are many of us, myself included, who thrive in both camps. This has been the case throughout history. For example, let's take a look at a few of the heavy hitters. Robert Boyle. He said that a deeper understanding of science was a higher glorification of God. This guy defined elements, compounds, and mixtures. He discovered the first gas law, also known as Boyle's Law. Leonard Euler, the son of a Calvinist pastor, he wrote religious texts, published more mathematics than any other single mathematician in history. The famous Michael Faraday, a devout member and elder of the Sandemarian Church, discovered electromagnetic induction, discovered the first experimental links between light and magnetism. James Maxwell, an evangelical Protestant who learned the Bible by heart at age 14. His famous equations unified the forces of electricity and magnetism into electromagnetism, indicating that light is an electromagnetic wave. Gregor Mendel, a Roman Catholic, founded the science of genetics, identified many of the mathematical rules of heredity, identified recessive and dominant traits. Ronald Fisher, a devout Anglican who made religious broadcasts and wrote religious articles. He unified evolution by natural selection together with Mendel's rules of inheritance, thus defining the new field of population genetics. Charles Towns, a member of the United Church of Christ, He wrote books linking science and religion. He believed religion was more important than science. He invented the laser and the maser. He also established that the Milky Way has a supermassive black hole at its center. Francis Collins, a once atheist turned devout Christian, he invented positional cloning and directed the National Human Genome Research Institute for 15 years. He and his colleagues mapped out the entire human genome. Ernest Walton, a devout Methodist who said science was a way of knowing more about God. He was the winner of the Nobel Prize in Physics after he artificially split the atom and thus proved that E does equal MC squared and that Einstein was right. 
And the list goes on and on and on. A 2009 study by the Pew Research Center found that among scientists of various fields, approximately 50% believe in a transcendent entity above the natural world, so God. 48% of those believe in God, and most of those are Christians, and the other 48% are atheists or agnostic, and 4% didn't want to commit or didn't want to comment. So when people look at those who are in the scientific world or scientific study and think, oh, certainly those people don't believe in God or, or can't have a faith, well, that's simply not true. The real number is that one in two do. So where does this popularized view of one versus the other come from? First off, I think without realizing it, each is trying to do the job of the other. And so what's happening is that they're measuring the other by what their skill set is trying to achieve. And here's what I mean. The scientific community engages in the scientific process by looking for theories that have an explanatory scope, meaning that they create theories which give explanations and which can also make other plausible, other plausible predictions. For example, Einstein's theory of general relativity was an explanation that also predicted other things like the existence of black holes. And in fact, later on, we discovered them. But faith doesn't make predictions about the universe. That's not its job. Rather, it talks about the history of God and his people, the problem that arose between the two, and the solution to that problem. Also, faith, in narrating the history between God and humans, illustrates meaning, purpose, and morality, really important things to our experience as people. But science, well, science can attempt to tackle these issues, but if there is no God, then really there is no divine moral lawgiver, no, no um, first cause for meaning and purpose. Really, all is arbitrary. And notions of good and even, even though, sorry, good and evil, even those need to be substituted with notions of mere convenience or inconvenience. Rather, our faith should be guiding our lives as we use science to unveil the brilliance of God and how he has constructed the universe around us. And as we've already heard from some of the great Christian scientists, well, I'm not alone in thinking this way. Okay, secondly, I think that some of the polarization of, this, of, of these two camps stems from the fact that people have different initial worldviews or different starting points. We have to recognize that there are people out there that simply don't have a faith and they're left with no alternative uh, when they investigate the world around them than to come up with some form of explanation that doesn't involve an eternal divine present. And to be honest, that makes sense. Meanwhile, there are those that do have faith and they don't want to hear anything that would alter their current understanding of who they are or, or who they perceive God to be. Sometimes people from either camp are comfortable with just sticking with their initial worldview, putting their heads in the sand, and maintaining the current status quo. But is that what we're called to do? I mean, isn't the scientific process founded on testing and observation and then revision of your initial hypothesis? And in 1 Thessalonians 5.21, doesn't the Bible say to 
test everything and cling to what is good? And sure, that passage in the Bible uh, is talking about prophecy and prophetic speaking, but that notion of receiving information, sort of feeling it out, and then clinging to what has value, well, that's at the foundation of our faith. So, if you don't at least weigh the other side, then I'm going to suggest that you're neither scientific nor Christianific. And yes, I made up that word. Instead of being birds with our heads stuck in the sand, I think that we should be birds perched upon a higher branch, taking a good look around. Lastly, I think that the polarization as popularized in the media comes from the jerks in both camps. There, I said it. Partially, it comes from the arrogance of the naturalist who thinks that faith is archaic or meaningless or for those people who don't use their brains. And partially, it comes from the ignorance of the faithful in refusing to explore the scientific discoveries as if God could never be behind what may have been discovered. They say, the Bible says this in accordance with my understanding, and that could never mean anything else than what I understand it to be. Right? Really? Instead of being polarized, there are benefits to the two working together, and I think that they should. I think that faith makes science beautiful, and I think that science makes faith beautiful. You see, without faith, honestly, no rational person can give value or meaning or define beauty ultimately. They can ascribe a value and meaning as a cultural collective agreement, but ultimately everything is subjective. On the other side of the argument, science makes faith beautiful because science should display the majesty of God. For example, in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour out speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. Or Romans 1.20, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. Okay, so then let's recap. We've seen that many people, smarter than you and I, live just fine holding on to both science and faith. We've seen that the polarization of these two camps may stem from misuse or worldviews or sheer ignorance. However, there is an elephant in the room, and I want to call it out. You see, we can all smile politely and just say that faith and science go hand in hand, and we go about our day and not give this sermon a second thought. But there's someone out there who's thinking to themselves, I'm not buying it. This is too simple. And to be honest... I think that they're right. You see, that person is asking, but if the genealogies of Genesis and Matthew place the earth around 6,000 years old, but light from our furthest stars and the, and the universe's expansion rate seem to put the universe at 14 billion years old, well, what do I do with that? Or if Genesis says that God created man from the earth, but genetic heredity suggests that a mixture of Genetic mutations and natural selections are responsible for the creatures around us as we know them, then what do we do with that? Well, 
it's really easy to explain. It's simply that if you take into consideration done and done. There you have it. The perfect answer. Pretty simple, right? You're welcome. No, I'm just kidding. Nothing's that easy. So how do we address the elephant in the room? To do this, we're going to need to take three things into account. First is scripture, of course. The second is environmental discoveries. So those things that we learn about the world around us. And lastly is revelation. And by that, what I mean is those instances in which God shows up. And this is different than the first two because the first two are head knowledge. But this last one is experiential knowledge. And here's an example of that. In Luke 5, what we have is um, Simon Peter and his friends who have been fishing all morning, all night and all morning, and they're now tending their nets, they're putting them away, and Jesus comes up and says, hey, can we um, borrow your boat? Can we go into the water? And I'm going to speak to the crowd from, from the boat. And, and Simon Peter says, sure, let's do it. So they go out, Jesus speaks and, and, and shares with the crowd, and in this time, we don't read of any reaction from from Peter but after Jesus is done he says hey listen why don't you throw your nets into the water here and Simon Peter says well look we've been fishing all morning and we haven't caught anything in short you're a carpenter like we're fishermen we know our craft but because of relationship he does it and he catches this multitude of fish and immediately he drops to his knees and he says, get away from me, I'm a sinful man. And, and you see this reckoning of the divide between um, humanity and God and, and what's going on there. But that's very interesting because during Jesus's you know, speech to the people, we don't see Simon Peter reacting. But as soon as this thing happens, he has this massive reaction. Well, what's going on here? Well, what he's, what's happening is Simon Peter has to have a reckoning between what ought to happen in the natural world, when you fish, how fish behave, what he knows about this natural world, and what occurred in light of being in a boat with Jesus. And the two shouldn't, shouldn't connect. They shouldn't coexist. And yet they are. And so he has to reckon with this revelatory um, expression that is occurring in the moment. Okay, in taking these three elements into account, we can give each of these elements different weights. But one thing that we should not do is give any of these no weight at all. Does scripture say that everything was created by Jesus and for Jesus? Sure, yes. Do we observe stars at a distance beyond 6,000 light years? We do. Were those that witnessed a resurrected Jesus willing to be brutally murdered and die proclaiming what they had witnessed? They did. Have you witnessed something that you just can't deny? Right? We will need to create some form of working model to manage the empirical data that we come into contact with. That model needs to include scripture, information about the world around us, and revelation from God. So it needs to include God, our sinfulness, the need for redemption, the stars, how cell phones work, all of those things together. Will we wrestle with it? 
Absolutely, we will. And that's okay. The name Israel means wrestles with God. So if we are the children of Israel, then this shouldn't be anything new. Only in our modern Western world do we like everything in neat, tidy bundles. But the truth is, that's just not reality of life. So, in conclusion, I am very comfortable with both a faith and a science living together. I have seen God move in crazy ways that I just can't deny. And when I doubt, the memory of those things that I've witnessed come back to me to bring me back to Him. I love the beauty of science as it has revealed the brilliance of the mind of God. The two can live together wonderfully. But if you doubt because of science, then let me leave you with these words from Werner Heisenberg. That's right, Werner Heisenberg, the author of the Heisenberg Uncertainty Principle and one of the giants on whose shoulders modern-day quantum physics stands. He says this, The first gulp from the glass of natural sciences will turn you into an atheist. But at the bottom of that glass, God is waiting for you. Can faith and the natural sciences coexist? Of course, they must. Here we are. So we take what we've seen, what we've read, what we've experienced, we create a working model, and we go from there. Thanks for watching. Hope this has been helpful. Hey, that's it from us. Thank you so much for joining. Please stay connected with us. Be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's Pathway Church PTBO. Hey, God is at work in this world, and we feel so blessed that we get to be a part of what He is doing. Have a great day wherever you're at, and we hope to see you soon.